um, our teachings on worship. And so today, our teaching is entitled, How Much More? How Much More? And we're going to start in Luke 7, verse 36. This was a, a sinful woman. This was approximately a year before Jesus' burial, and it was at Simon the Pharisee's house. In verse 36, Luke 7, 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his face with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So he's saying this guy cannot even be a prophet because this is a sinful woman and he doesn't realize it. But then look what Jesus does. Look what Jesus does. So important. Jesus answered him. And remember, he was just thinking to himself, okay? And Jesus answered him, Simon, the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. In reality, none of us could ever have enough to pay Jesus back for what he's done and thank the Lord that that is not what he requires. That his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness belong to us, are for us. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. 
We can become so self-righteous. Hello. People can become so self-righteous. Our human righteousness is rags, beloved. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this is an example of worship. This is an example of worship. It is an act of love and repentance. Here, a sinful woman was pouring perfume on Jesus' feet in loving worship and sorrowful repentance. She knew, she knew in her condition of sin that she needed to run to Jesus. She needed to run to Jesus. In our condition, we need to run to Jesus. We need to run to Jesus. When we mess up or whatever, we don't run away, we run to Jesus. The mercy, the one who gives mercy. She was acknowledging the one who forgives our sins, wiping his feet with her hair, pouring oil, pouring perfume upon him. This was an act of surrender. Have you ever just needed to surrender something? And, you know, maybe you don't know how. One of the best ways is just to start worshiping Jesus. He will break up that fallow ground. She may not have even known why she was doing this. Maybe she did, you know. But she knew where to go. You know, Jesus is always beckoning us. The heart of a loving father is always beckoning us, never turning us away. And so this was an act of surrender, an act of adoration. She acknowledged her need for a Savior in this act of worship, humbleness. Her sins were forgiven because she loved much. She was loving Jesus. Our love for the Lord is worship. Your love for the Lord is worship. However you can express that, it's worship. Imagine, okay, imagine this. Imagine being a person who knew that she was in sin and she goes into a Pharisee's house. Imagine that. Just think about that. Put yourself in that situation knowing how you're being judged, knowing how you're being looked at, and breaking through all of that and falling at the feet of Jesus in worship. Thinking, I'm not worthy, perhaps. And you should not think that way when you're born again, okay? You shouldn't think that way. But you know how people think, right? And she went into a Pharisee's house. What do the Pharisees do? They slam the book of the law in your face, right? They slam it over your head. 
the book of the law, the law, the law, the law. And she really didn't care. She was in a state. She knew what she needed. She was being drawn to Jesus. She entered the house, not caring about the scorn that probably was awaiting her. You understand what I'm saying? And she fell at his feet and worshipped him in adoration. She was not dissuaded by what others think. So many times people become dissuaded by what others think. Oh, they're thinking this about me. They're thinking that about me. Most of that's all lies anyways, oftentimes, okay? But even if it's not, if you're in a sinful, if a person's in a sinful situation, honestly, who cares what anyone thinks? What's worse? What they think or the sin that you need to get handled, right? So she... she was not dissuaded by what others thought. She was not afraid of the scorn. Her mission was to fall at the master's feet in love and adoration, in worship. Her love for Jesus at that moment became her salvation. Her worship opened the door to her salvation. That's an awesome thought. Worship is crucial. The second example, John 12, starting in verse 1, and this was in Bethany. This was about six days before Passover, and this was in Lazarus' house. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Do you know that the fragrance, this, this story is about relationship. Do you know that the, the, your relationship, when you honor your love, your devotion, is a sweet fragrance unto Jesus? Do you understand that? It's a sweet fragrance unto your Savior. When we worship, we are a sweet incense to him. Our worship is beautiful unto him. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Don't let anyone steal your worship. Don't let any circumstance steal your worship. 
just like your peace. Don't let any circumstance steal your peace. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Ouch. I wouldn't want to be that person. We're not in any way, shape, or form. So Judas, Judas, he was looking at the monetary value. Judas was looking at, was really, what this is, is the worship of money. It is the worship of material objects. Judas was looking at what he could get for himself. This, no worship in his heart. He was looking about what he could get for himself. He definitely was worshiping something, right? He was worshiping something, just the wrong thing. We all worship something. Every person in here worships something. And we need to make sure it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. We need to recognize when things in our life take God's place. And that's for you to do. That's not for other people to do. You don't need to go correct somebody. Okay, guys? <laughs> if someone asks you something, if someone asks you for advice, that's one thing. But it's not your place to correct. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So Mary is actually honoring the presence of Jesus, right? He was actually physically there with her. We here now have in this situation, in this picture that's been given us, have worship out of relationship with Jesus, out of intimacy with Jesus, out of communion with Jesus, flowing forth, worship flowing forth from a heart of fellowship, from a heart of communion with our Lord. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were having dinner to honor Jesus, Okay, Martha was serving. Okay, Martha was always serving, wasn't she? Which could be a form of worship if it doesn't take our eyes off the message, the me if it doesn't take our eyes off Jesus. I mean, serving definitely can be a form of worship, of worshiping the Lord if it's unto his honor and glory, but not if it's distracting from his presence, right? Lazarus was reclining, Okay, just get the picture. And Mary takes this pint of nard, this expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Your worship is fragrance. Your worship is beautiful. The fragrance, it is the fragrance of relationship. It is the fragrance of a love intimacy. It is the fragrance of honor. It is the fragrance of devotion. It is the fragrance of communion with your Lord. Get that? 
So our relationship with Jesus causes us to worship him in spirit and in truth. The closer the relationship, the deeper the worship. The closer the relationship, the deeper the worship. The more we allow ourselves to be intimate, the more we allow the things in our life to be laid bare. Because great debt, right? Great debt has great, ends in great worship, right? When, when we allow our souls to be laid bare before Jesus, not holding it back, it brings us into worship. There's nothing that you've done that's too dark that Jesus is not going to forgive you for. And the best thing we can do is open up and allow him to come in. And worship allows us to do that. Judas, he focused on, you know, the monetary cost, what he could have had, what he could have had. If Mary had not wasted this worship at the feet of Jesus. Beloved, worship is never a waste. Never. It will usher you into the glory of God. Never a waste. His Judas, his depraved heart, could only see the money. All he could see is the cost of that worship. Not anything else, just the cost of that worship. He saw it as taking something away from him. The estimated value of that nard was a year's wages, and that's all he could think about. That's all he could think about. Mary's heart saw the worship and the preciousness of the relationship with Jesus. Mary saw the value of his life poured out for her, about to be poured out. We need to see the value of his life poured out for us, right? She saw the invaluableness of his life. Nothing of earthly value could ever compare to that. Nothing of earthly value could ever compare to what you have with Jesus. Nothing. She was willing to give something of cost to her, the best she had to offer. Everything else paled in comparison to her relationship with Jesus. You stop and think. Stop and think. Everybody stop and think. What is so valuable that you can't give it up for a relationship with Jesus? Is there anything in your life that's creating a wall? Because it's not God. It's not Jesus. Is there anything in your life that's not allowing you to let the fullness of his love touch your heart? just something for you to think about. Something for me to think about. 
He wants his love to touch our hearts at all times. And sometimes we get scared or we get afraid and we wall off and we think that's going to help. And it's just going to hinder. She was after relationship and she was willing to do something about it. Mary was always sitting at his feet. Mary was always the one wanting to learn more, wanting to know him better. And she poured out her love that day in worship unto him. And he was not going to allow her to be denied. Then the third example, Matthew 26, 6. And this again is preparation for Jesus' burial. It's about two days. It's about two days before Passover. This is an unnamed woman. This is in the house of Simon the leper. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. A beautiful thing. Do you know how beautiful your worship is to the Lord? When your hearts are poured out in worship in whatever form that takes in your life, do you know how beautiful that is to the Lord? Prayer can be worship. There are lots of forms of worship. The poor will always be with you. The poor you will always have with you. But you will not always have me. And he was speaking, obviously, of his physical presence with them at that time. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Worship. She came, this lady, this unnamed lady, this unnamed woman, came with something of value to her. See, it's not value and always value in someone else's eyes. This actually was very valuable. We know that. But she came with something of value, some, a very expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' head, preparing him for burial. And all the disciples, all they could see was the money being poured out, being wasted. That's all they could see. The cost of the perfume. Again, the material possession. They're just looking at the cost. What if Jesus had done that? This is a serious question. What if that's what Jesus had done? Look at the cost of what it was going to take for him to save your soul. What if that's what he had done? You think he would have gone to the cross? Do you think he would have even left glory? I mean, think about what he had to do before he ever went to the cross. He had to rip himself out of glory and come down here. You're talking about intimate, unseparated communion with the Father. Glory presence. 
every second of every day. And he chose to come here. He chose to come here for you. What if he had counted that cost? What if he had counted the cost of that ring of thorns on his head? What if he had counted the cost of every stripe that he was going to take for you? What if he had counted the cost of being spat upon, ridiculed? What if he had counted the cost of every nail, every, every pounding that the nail took when it went through his flesh? What if he had counted the cost in the piercing? What if he had counted the cost of going to hell for you? Aren't you glad he didn't? I'm glad he didn't. (laughs) I'm so glad he didn't. And because he didn't, any believer in Christ gets to live in glory with him eternally. And that's awesome. But we get also get to live in his presence here because now we have the Holy Spirit. Because he sent us the Holy Spirit. Okay, where was I? What, what verse was I on? Was I done with that? I tell you the truth. Yeah, I, I finished that section. What she has done will also be told in memory of her. So she gave something of value. You know, and if you really think about this, you would have thought that the disciples would have learned something from the prior experiences. He had already, Jesus had already corrected them before, right? She's doing something beautiful. This is wonderful. This is worship. And they're still thinking about the cost. I mean, how hard-headed can someone be? None of you have ever been hard-headed, have you? (laughs) I know you haven't. I just know. I just know. Y'all were just born saints, willing to give it all. From the minute you were born, I know. (laughs) So, this woman saw the cost of his life. This woman saw the cost of what he was giving. This woman saw the value of loving and honoring and then demonstrating it. Actually, what's that saying? Put your money where your mouth is or put your feet to the pavement or whatever those sayings are. She anointed him for his burial with a very expensive perfume. Very, very soon he would physically not be on this earth anymore. All these people for what, you know, they would lose his physical presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have you. You will not always have me with you. She has done a beautiful thing. So she was worshiping Jesus and anointed him for burial. Beloved, here's the question. How much more, how much more should we be willing to lay at his feet all that we have knowing that he has given us to walk with him in victory. He finished the work. 
We get to walk in the victory. We get to have the glory of God. We get to have Holy Spirit with us all the time. How much more should we worship with all that we've been given? That last song, Mighty Counselor, our mighty counselor, our comforter, our wisdom, our truth. How much more should we be willing? He has crucified, think about this, he has crucified your sin in him on the cross. He has shed his blood to give you mercy. He has taken stripes so that you could be forgiven, so that I could be forgiven. And today we get to live in his presence, in the presence of Holy Spirit, ever helping, ever guiding, ever strengthening us. We who have the very presence of the Holy Spirit sent from Jesus Christ living in us today. What a gift. What a gift. There's no worship that could compare to the value of that. How much more should we worship him? Laying everything at his feet, knowing the price he paid, knowing that he has taken us today behind the veil for every believer to be seated with him in heavenly places far above everything that the forces of evil would try to bring against your life. That was really an underwhelming response. <laughs> Truly underwhelming. Did any of you hear what I said? <laughs> Are you seated in heavenly places with your Lord Jesus? Have you been invited behind the veil? <laughs> Beloved, so this is what I'm asking you today. What in your life are you holding on to with clenched fists? What are you holding on to with a locked up heart? He's already paid the price for that, beloved. He's already won the victory. Whatever that is, whatever that situation is in your life, He's already won your victory. Whatever it is that you think that you can't let go of, you can let go into the loving hands of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're holding on to is something that you're actually exalting above Jesus. If you're holding on to something, it's an idol. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And in his mercy and in his tenderness, he'll take that thing and bring restoration. He always has restoration.
It can be anything. What, okay, what if, uh, what if you have unforgiveness towards yourself in an area? I mean, it can be anything. What if, you have, what if you've done something? Okay. Tell me if this doesn't answer your question. Okay. What if you've done something and you constantly are reminding yourself of that thing? That, that you know, okay, so you made a mistake or there was a particular sin. What if you're always living in the past? What, if, what did Jesus' blood do? Okay, he actually broke the curse of sin. Broke the curse of sin. It's not like you have this folder and Jesus is going to open it and he's going to say, Janice, look at these things that I had to forgive you of. He took the folder and burned it up. You've been totally exonerated. When you bring something to Jesus and you lay it at his feet and you repent and you ask his forgiveness, he doesn't even have the folder anymore. We hold on to it. You can. Well, yeah. If you want to, you need to give it up. You need to let it go. That's freedom in Christ. We need to be aware of what he's done for us, right? It's like in a legal system. You might be determined no longer to be guilty, but there's always a record. He got rid of your record. Did that answer your question? Here, we can't hear you, so you'll have to come get a microphone. Where is the microphone? Did I put it? No, please, come, 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 come. Up. So she was doing such a great job. <laughs> um, so maybe even a little bit more into going into what you're talking about. It might not even be a sin in your life. True. It could very well be something that had happened to you that might cause unworthiness or yes. self-esteem. But when you idolize that and walk in that and place that above Christ, that's still taking away from what he did. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So see, it can be anything. I mean, I, I probably can't go into every single example, but he's forgotten it. Once you bring it to him, once you repent, once you, you know, I don't even know whether to go into this. <laughs> there are only two kingdoms on this earth yes. and in heaven. Okay? There are only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Period. There's a kingdom of evil and there's the kingdom of God. Period. Do you know that there is a total boundary between those two kingdoms? Okay, think about a state boundary. Illinois and Missouri. There's a boundary. Now, it's pro this probably isn't a very good example because we can cross the boundary. But let's pretend that you can't. Let's pretend that that boundary you can't cross. That's the same as the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The devil has no license to you anymore. None. 
He cannot cross into your territory, into your promised land, into your behind the veilness. But it's your job, it's your job to appropriate what Jesus has actually done for you. It's actually kind of a slap in the face, and please don't get any guilt over this. I'm not, everybody does it. But it's a slap in the face to live in all that regret when Jesus has already cleaned it all up. Amen. He, he, he's made a dividing line, and he's welcomed you into his side. And he doesn't actually let the devil go into your side. Do you think there's any devil in heaven? Okay, so you can walk in the liberty and the freedom and the, in, in the kingdom that Jesus has given you here on earth. Now we can choose to listen to lies, right? But that's your choice. And that's not something Jesus puts on you. Okay? So does that make any sense? Is that helpful? Thanks for that question. See, I sometimes think I'm getting it across, and I'm not. So I appreciate that. So whatever we lay down, and worship helps us do that, whatever we lay down, it's going to free us from the enemy's hold on us in that area of our life. You've already been freed by Jesus, right? You've already been freed. He's given you your walking papers, and he said, you know, don't look back. He's already drawn the line. So we need to accept the blood and stay that line in the blood. Okay, does that make sense? He has already ushered us into the full life of Christ. He's given that to you. How many verses? You can go through Colossians, you can go through Ephesians. How many verses say that the fullness of Christ are for you as a believer? He doesn't mean partial. It's fullness. It's fullness. It's all that Christ is. He didn't just win a little portion of his goodness for you when he went to that cross. Does that make sense? Okay. So when we lay it down, and, and we've just happened to be talking about worship a lot because that's what the Lord said we were supposed to talk about. So when we lay it down, we step into Christ's freedom. We step into Christ's glory. Communion. What's glory? Communion with the Father. And that frees us into the blessing of Christ in our lives. And we just need to lay it down. That's what he did for us. He laid, it, he laid all of it down. Right? He laid himself down so that each of us could walk in victory and not have to live in regret or not have to live in unworthiness like Barbie was saying or unforgiveness or whatever. Okay, so I want to finish up. The Lord told me to read these particular scriptures. It's a little bit lengthy. We're going to go to Ephesians 1, and we're going to start in 3, and we're going to read all the way to 23. Praise be to God, 
and to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. I want you to hang on these words, people. Hang on every word that you're going to hear right now. And realize that it's yours. Because Jesus already finished what had to be done, okay? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, listen, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect, put into effect in your lives when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, have you hoped in Christ? Okay, this includes you, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also, listen, were included in Christ. You were included in everything he did. You get that? You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, that's it. Having believed, you were marked. Having believed, you were marked in him. You are marked in him with a seal. You are sealed. You are signed, sealed, and delivered. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing. Guaranteeing. No ifs, ands, or buts. You cannot but your way out of this. You cannot say, but I did this, but I made this mistake, but this happened to me. You can't do it. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those 
who are God's possession. You are now God's possession if you are a born-again believer to the praise of his glory. For this reason, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. Our worship helps us to know him better. Your prayer helps you to know him better. Reading the word helps you to know him better. So that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, that you may know the hope, the hope, the hope, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He has incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, listen, is like the working of his mighty strength, his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ. No different, no different. His mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. Not only in the present age, not only back then, but also in the one to come. You are in the one to come. You are in the one that was to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That's you. That's every believer, which is his body. Listen, listen. The fullness of him. Do you know that that's what you're called? The fullness of him? Do you know when we come together in, I'm getting a little off, but do you know that when we come together in worship, each one of you is a stream, and it comes into this river, and this river is all the fullness of Christ. Every single one of you is needed. Your stream is needed. You have to be that tributary that goes into the river. And all of us together come into fullness in Christ. fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, say, because of his great love for me, put your hand on your heart. Because of his great love for me. Because of his great love for me. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive 
put your put your put your name in there. Whatever you know, whatever your name is, put your name in there. Made me alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace. What's grace? The ultimate in beauty? Having virtue far beyond the common. Remember, we've learned that? It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Listen. Expressed in his kindness. Expressed in his kindness to you. He's kind to you. He's kind to me. He's nothing else but kind. If your mind starts going somewhere else, remember his kindness. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Beloved, it's a beautiful thing that we've been given. How can we not worship? How can we not worship? So that's what the Lord had me talk about today.